0: Hey guys, welcome to the Eagles fans podcast. This is episode two. We're just going to hop right into the uh, breakdown recap of the Seattle Seahawks game. Of course, you watch the game 17 to nine Eagles losing another stinker. It was pretty much the same thing that we saw against New England. Defense played stellar offense lets him down again. Can't get anything going, uh, especially early throughout the game. Uh, I would like to say I think this defensive performance against Seattle was much better than the defensive performance against the Patriots. And I would be comfortable saying it was one of the better defensive performances under Jim Schwartz as the defensive coordinator for the uh, Eagles. Um, They just – they played so well. I'll start with the offense. We'll dig into the defense in a minute. Uh, The offense was worse than it was against New England. Um, At least against New England, it was somewhat – competitive the the numbers the team numbers kind of fudge the the outcome of the game of how it actually looked versus what it was on paper uh we we got more first downs than the seahawks by far 23 to 14 and they only gained four more total yards than we did it was it was really the turnovers that killed us um we had five they had two Negative three, you, you can't win games in the NFL with a negative three turnover ratio. And when you're playing a, a QB like Russell Wilson, even though he didn't have his best game, uh you can't you can't have that. You can't have uh five turnovers against the Seahawks, you can't have five turnovers against a quarterback as good as Russell Wilson. Um we we held the ball longer than they did. If you just look at the the stat sheets, looking at my notes, it looks like the the numbers paint a different picture than what we actually saw on Sunday. The offense was atrocious. It was probably the worst offensive performance we've seen this year, which is saying something because we've seen some stinkers. I really throw that touchdown at the end out because it was garbage time. The game wasn't in the balance. That's when teams just kind of play that prevent. They're just, you know, out there to be out there. And for – Zach, to get that touchdown towards the end doesn't really doesn't really make me feel better about the offense. I still see it as a three-point outing for the Eagles offense. I'll jump into the hot topic this week, the past two weeks, with it being Carson Wentz. Uh, you can't go on anything Eagles Twitter, Eagles Instagram without, you know, is Carson a franchise quarterback? We should have kept Nick, blah, 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 blah. It's not Carson. Of course, he missed a few throws. You know, he's got to work on his footwork, as you could see on a few of those passes to Miles that sail on him. He sets his feet, and if that first read isn't there, he doesn't reset his feet, which is a big deal. It's a very fixable problem, though. Uh, I just don't know the type of coaching he gets from Press Taylor. I don't know what goes on in those rooms. But it's an easy fix if they point it out and fix it on film and in practice this week. He, just, he missed some balls high, and that's normally when Carson misses him. He needs to work on that footwork, like I said. But you have to understand more about the game of football to understand that most of the blame, if not all of the blame, needs to go to the receivers and Doug for the offensive problems and for Carson's problems. Of course, Carson's the one out there pulling the trigger, making the throws, running the offense. So he does deserve a little blame. And like I've said, I'm not going to let him just slide by without getting a little bit of criticism because he deserves it. If you're a franchise quarterback, if you're as elite as we think you are, you need to be making these throws. You need to be, you know, be a force multiplier and make the team better as best you can. It's tough when you're playing with guys like Jordan Matthews. And I know we all like Greg Ward, but he's a practice squad player for a reason. JJ Arthego Whiteside, And um, Matt Collins, who continuously goes week in, week out, MIA. But I know most of you that pay attention very well saw the Dan Orlovsky video where he detailed some of the routes that the receivers are running and some of the intricacies of a NFL offense, especially a West Coast offense that's based on short routes and timing and getting the ball out quick, that the receivers are letting Carson Wentz down and they're, they're just they're leaving them out there to dry because they're not getting to where they need to get to, and then we see it as undereducated fans, myself included, because I didn't know these things until I really dug and did some research and listened to some more knowledgeable guys like Dan Orlovsky, like uh, Kaplan, and uh, the uh, Fran Duffy and Greg Cosell Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. They really teach you about more in-depth details of the game that – other fans or just basic fans don't really understand, and they just see, "Oh, Carson missed the pass. It's on him. It's Carson's fault." When you're when it's third and five, and Greg Ward's in the slot, and they call the play, and he's supposed to get to six yards of depth, and the ball will be there when he turns around. So the ball is going to be thrown before Greg Ward makes his break. So the ball's supposed to be there when he turns around at six. Catch the ball, get down quick. It's a first down. It's a timing route. That's what most of the West Coast offices is timing routes. That's why all Alshon Jeffrey runs is slants, comebacks, or go routes. Um, they're all breaking patterns. They're all timing routes to where the ball is coming out before your eyes are whipped around back to the quarterback. So anyway, Greg Ward, you're supposed to get to six, turn around, sit, grab the ball, first down. He ran to eight. That's why the ball looked like it was underthrown, and that's why it looks like it's on Carson. That's not on Carson. The other example that was given, and then I'll give you guys, is the J.J. Artega whiteside catch on that fourth down where he comes up, runs a little zig option, and sits, but he keeps drifting. When when you're running against zone, especially in that situation where it's fourth down and you only need a few yards and it's a quick pass, When you come and you sit, you need to sit in that zone, and that's where the ball's going to be delivered. You could tell that because J.J. kept drifting and he wasn't staying stationary in that spot where he should have sat down in the zone, that it forced Carson to hesitate. And when Carson's getting ready to throw the ball, you can see that J.J. hops back out to the left where Carson's throwing it inside where he was. And then J.J. moves inside, and then it looks like Carson doesn't know what he's doing, where he's putting the ball. So... I was just like everybody else during that game. I'm thinking, what the hell is he doing? What's going on? Why can't he make these easy throws? You look deeper. You understand more about the game. I'm learning too. And so I'm going to take what I learned, pass it along to you guys. Hopefully you can learn with me. And I came out of all of that thinking, same thing I think about Carson. He's the man. He's elite. And I don't want to hear any of this Nick Foles talk because it's completely ludicrous. In no universe is Nick Foles a more talented quarterback than Carson Wentz especially for the Eagles. I think that most of the blame outside of the actual execution on the field is Doug Peterson. And I've been on Instagram the past few days. Follow me, at Eagles fans. Jumping into every comment section I can that references might grow, fire might grow, he's got to go, we need a new OC. He doesn't call plays, guys. He never has, he never will. I saw a comment that said, Everybody takes turns, and Doug calls some, and then Mike Groh calls some, and then the offensive line coach calls them. That's completely false, and I don't know where that person heard that because that's completely untrue. Doug's called the play since 2016. Frank Reich never called plays. Mike Groh has never called plays, nor were they ever. The problem with the offense is that Doug has run the same things since 2016. You can get away with it in 2016, a 7-9 and team, with a rookie quarterback, with a bunch of – Similar looking guys that we have now playing wide receiver and at the skill positions. But when you go into 2017 and you win the Super Bowl, you're an elite team. Teams want to figure out what you're doing, even for themselves. Take what you're doing and make it work for them. So when you're running the same offense for the fourth year in a row and you have a guy like K.J. Wright, who is the second best linebacker on the Seahawks, come out after the game and say, We, we've seen, we knew what, what they were running before they ran it. We saw all this on tape. It was easy to key off of. They, they line up in the same formations. They call the same plays out of it. It's the same route concepts, blah, blah, blah. And that's not the first defender that's played the Eagles. That's had a good game against us. That's come out and said that the offense is just predictable. And that's on Doug for you to not go in every week and try to add new wrinkles, change things, redesign things. And even if it's not completely changing the offense, Do different personnel formations. Run different types of packages. 22. Like, you got to do more than what you're doing, and you have to switch it up, and you have to get more creative with the scheme of the offense. Mike Groh is there as the OC. The OC of the Philadelphia Eagles under Doug Peterson has always just been somebody there to be a fresh set of eyes, a voice in the room, and somebody to help scheme and game plan. They have no control over what's called the play design or the game plan. They're just there to collaborate. That's what they're there for. They're the featured artists on the track. That's what it is. Doug Peterson's the rapper, and Mike Groh is featured on the remix. That's about it. So I just want to get that out of the way because it's really it's really hard to see that all the time and think that nobody's holding Doug accountable when it's really his offense and his problem to get these things figured out. He deserves most of the blame, not Mike Groh, not at all. The skill players, of course, it was funny at the beginning of the year and I've said it before, It's it makes me LOL because at the beginning of the year, it was, oh, DNA, we got a top five wide receiving core. You add uh, Goddard and hurts into it. It's probably the best collection of weapons in the NFL. Alshon can do his thing. Uh, Deshaun takes him deep. Nelson can do all the intermediate stuff. Those two tight ends are the best duo in the league. And then we got Miles, who's a young back, and we got Jordan Howard, who's a top three back yardage-wise in the past three years since he's been in the league. All of that – and the cornerbacks were the problem at the beginning of the year. It was how we trade everything you can, give up whatever you have to. This team is sorry. It's never going to win. You can't go back to the playoffs unless you get new corners. Everybody here is ass. And now we're not even into the next year. We're talking like eight games later after all of that, and it's completely fit the script. The corners aren't the strength of a team. But they're playing very, very well to where they're not a liability anymore. They're balling out, all of them. Jalen's balling out. I hope he gets re-signed before the season ends. Maddox is balling out. If he stays in the slot where he needs to be, where he thrives, he will be what we drafted him to be. Ronald Darby, as much as we all like to clown on Ronald Darby, especially after that game in Atlanta, which was terrible. That was atrocious. He's been playing good ball. This, This secondary, the weaknesses, they get beat deep. But since they've been together, them three, for the past, uh, I think, three or four weeks it's been. I can't remember when Maddox got back. I'd have to check. But since they've been back as the trio, they've been playing really well. And it's funny that before the deadline, everyone's telling Howie to trade whatever you have to. Trade Nelson. Trade first-round picks. Trade Alshon. Trade whatever you have to go get Jalen Ramsey. You think Jalen Ramsey saves us from losing to the Seahawks? Is he going to line up and play wide receiver? No, and of course, none of us can telegraph that at the time. It would be cool to have Jalen Ramsey, but it would really suck to go into this offseason with the holes on this team with a, with no first-round pick this year or next year and probably not having a second-round pick this year, possibly a mid-round pick next year. How we made the right call in hindsight, and that's why when you're a general manager of a football team, you don't listen to the fan base. We're all just fanatics, and we want the big, bold, splashy Madden moves Where we can just go in and say, we want Jalen Ramsey and we'll give you five first round picks and it's not going to matter. No, it matters. And Howie made the right call on not trading for Ramsey. He didn't make the right call on, you know, a lot of the guys he has in the room right now. But I trust Howie and I think, you know, the problems on this team are very small. I think you go into the offseason, if you add a few more pieces on the defense, more youth, because that's what we lack on defense, we need more youth on the defense and then add a couple key pieces on offense, and this team is very close. It might look like we're very average and we have a lot of holes. Injuries are a thing in the NFL. They hit everybody, but if they hit at the right time or the wrong time, I should say, they can be very devastating. Losing Deshaun is a big deal. When you go into games without Alshon Nelson and Deshaun Jackson in your three top wideouts, it shows, and it showed against Seattle. Uh, I think we're much better than what we're putting out on the field. Injuries, of course, are part of it. I think Doug needs to, especially in a game that's a 14-point game, and it wasn't a 14-point game for most of the game. We were behind seven for most of that game. And to not run the ball more and to keep putting it in Carson's hands with what's going on on the field with the receivers, with them not being able to get separation, not being where they need to be, where Carson can't trust them, especially on key downs, you got to run the ball more and make it easier on him. you got to give Miles the ball more. And I'm pretty sure he averaged – Damn near six yards a clip. I'll have to go check my notes really quick. Yeah, Miles Sanders averaged 5.3 yards per carry. He only got 12 carries. He got 15 total touches because he got three receptions. He's got to touch the ball more, especially if Howard's not there. Um, Jay Ajayi got some carries. It was mostly on those, uh, third and shorts, second and shorts, uh, where he was picking it. He picked up a couple key first downs, which was big for us. Um, He's not a, a – you're never going to get big boom runs out of JHIE. I know you go back to 2017, their run against Dallas. If it was Miles Sanders, it would have been a touchdown. So I like the way they, they split the backfield carries with Boston Scott not getting any of them because he's worthless as a running back, in my opinion. For Miles Sanders not to touch the ball 20 times when you're having this amount of dysfunction passing the ball blows my mind, and that's why I say – All the blame needs to go on Doug because as the head coach and the offensive coordinator of the team, when you have these type of issues, you make adjustments. Between quarters, at half, coming out of timeouts, you make adjustments. You say, this offense isn't working. We're not able to move the ball, even on short and intermediate routes. Let's run the ball. Let's mix in some play action. That's what you have to do. If that doesn't work, then it doesn't work. Then you call it home. But when you keep trying to do the same things over and over and over again and them not working – That's what makes you an idiot. And I'm not saying Doug's an idiot, and I'm not trying to rip Doug. I believe in Doug. I think he's a great head coach, and I hope he's here for a very long time. But if there's a critique of Doug, it's that he doesn't adapt and he doesn't make changes, and that will be the the bane of this team going forward if we continue to have the injuries and the lack of talent surrounding Carson. I saved the defense for last because they deserve to be talked about Glowingly, they played an insanely good game. And when you break down the film, you see uh, you see Jim Schwartz as Jesus. He he called such a great game and schemed this defense so well against Seattle, where you had Malcolm spying on key third downs. Which I said in episode one that. Uh, or episode two, that when you when you have a guy like Russell Wilson on key third downs, especially when you see what happened against Buffalo, when you got a guy that's mobile on that third and five, you're just running guys off the line, and then this dude's going to take off and get that first down. Quick move the chains, get the offense going. And that's how Seattle is able to sustain big long drives against teams and get down and score a lot. That's why they're nine and two. So for Jim to put that wrinkle in and have his I don't want to say his most athletic, but his most savvy, versatile defender, defensive back, spy uh, Russell Wilson on those key downs, it really helped. We got pressure on um, Russell Wilson a lot. It was a very good defensive performance. We only got beat the one time. And if Jalen doesn't bite on that, you know, end around fake, he's probably deep enough to make a play on that ball. Not saying he would have picked it, but it probably would have been a pass breakup. You never know um other than that the defense played insane and I got a question on uh Instagram that said do you think this defense could carry uh the the team like New England's does I don't think the defense is that talented because what New England's defense does that helps carry that team is they create turnovers a lot plentiful in every game and we're not quite to that level yet I know we had two this week but Until you're getting two each week, I'm not going to put you in that light with the Patriots defense. And they create points on their own. They get turnovers and turn it into six. They get turnovers and they turn it into at least three because of the field position they get on returns and stuff like that. So you really have to dig deep into the details of the defense. And I don't think they're a defense that can carry this team because they don't create the way that the Patriots defense creates. But I will say, if this offense is able to muster even 50% better output than they're giving, then we will run the table these last five games. If these, if this defense keeps playing the way it's been playing the last four weeks, going on five, we will run the table, we will beat Dallas, and we will be in the playoffs because we will beat the Dolphins, we will beat the Jets, the Redskins. They all have putrid offenses. And like I said, you're holding Russell Wilson, you're holding Tom Brady, Both offenses might not be that great, but you're holding great QBs to very average to below average games, slowing down the run. You're not giving up huge plays. I just think it was a very, very good sign and that we can be confident and hang our hat that we're going to be in games no matter how bad the offense is playing. So that's something to be super encouraged about. And even after this loss, I got up and I said, We're still in this. We're five and six. We got five left, one winning team left. That's Dallas. That game counts for one and a half. If you win it, you got Miami, you got New York, uh, the Skins, New York again, and Dallas, like I said, you win those five games, you're in. The tiebreakers fall in Philly's favor, especially if they beat Dallas in that, uh, I believe it's week 15 or 16, not uh, 100% on that, but if you win that game, against Dallas you're in the playoffs because I don't really see this Eagles team uh having trouble with the the Giants Redskins and the Dolphins. Something's got to change on this offense. It starts with Doug uh hopefully having Alshon and Nelson back really helps against Miami. I don't see Jordan Howard playing again this weekend, which is completely fine because I am a more pro Miles Sanders. He is special. I'm going to say it now so I can be right in the future. He is LaShawn McCoy 2.0, a a rookie that came in, second-round pick, that's going to come in and be the backup slash scat-back role, which he was behind Westbrook. And then in his sophomore season, they're going to give him the keys, and he's going to take it, and he's going to be a special, special player on offense. And he's already showing you that. He's responsible for some of the biggest plays we've had on offense all year, and I really think Doug needs to trust him more. Need to work on his pass protection a little bit more to be in the game on those third downs and to be a real threat on all three. Miles Sanders is going to be the real deal going forward. I just want to let everybody know that. As much as I like what Jordan Howard brings to the team, I think Miles Sanders is the guy that needs the majority of the work and will be the, uh, the franchise back going forward. I had a great time recording this with you guys. I just want to let you guys know if you're listening and if you're supporting me i can't thank you enough it really means a lot to me i'm going to record another episode in a couple days it'll be the miami breakdown so stay tuned for that i appreciate you all right guys again that'll be it for episode two Go ahead and give me a follow on Instagram at Eagles fans. That's where I post a lot of content. That's where I do a lot of detailed posts, give you my insight and stuff like that. So that'll be the home social media hub for the Eagles fans podcast. So go give that a check. I appreciate you again for tuning in and listening to episode two. Only more to come. Also, if you follow me on Instagram, you want to be a part of the podcast. You want to hear your voice on the podcast. You want to have a question answered on the podcast go ahead and either DM me on Instagram or come to my anchor page, which is anchor.fm slash Eagles fans podcast and hit the send voice message button. You can record your message, send it in to me and I'll include that on the podcast. It'll be really fun to get some fans and some part of the Eagles community in here, collaborate, do some cool things on this podcast. Let's really make this for us, the Eagles fans. Again, thank you for tuning in. I'll see you guys in a couple days. No oh, birds.